Hello and good morning everyone and welcome back to this week's episode of Generation Slay. It is very early for me right now. I don't know if you're listening to this in the morning or in the afternoon or at night or while you're asleep because you accidentally fell asleep and left your podcast running. I have no way of knowing that, but it's fine. <laughs> it's been a rough week over here because it's final season and you all know how that goes. For those of you not going through final season right now, I wish you the happiest of holiday seasons. I personally cannot wait to make it until Friday, actually, the day this episode comes out, so that I am finally free of this semester and can focus on more fun things like the podcast and making sure I have presents for everyone I love and, you know, all the fun, work, great stuff that's going on in life right now. So this episode that I have for you today is quite a doozy. I had the opportunity to sit down with Nick Sharma, the DTC direct-to-consumer legend brand icon himself, and I want to give you a little intro to him before we kick things off. So at just 15, Nick was already handling social strategy for celebrities like Pitbull and Priyanka Chopra, which we touch on how he got such amazing opportunities at such a young age in the episode. So now at age 22, he's Uh, the former director of DTC at Hint, the beverage company. He helped grow that brand's direct-to-consumer business, which in 2018 accounted for nearly 40% of their $100 million in sales. He's also built audiences for Complex Media, Bustle Media Group, and Refinery29, most recently served as the head of direct-to-consumer for VaynerMedia, Gary Vayner's media company. So, clearly, young guy, doing a lot of really great stuff, especially within the direct-to-consumer marketing brand building space, and I really think that he had a lot of really valuable things and advice to share about, you know, kicking off your career at a very early age. So on that note, I hope you guys have an amazing week, and enjoy! Hi, Nick. Welcome to Generation Slay. We are so happy to have you on. Just to kick things off, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Um, So I am Nick. I am a 23-year-old dude trying to figure out this world of marketing and navigating the adult life. And I am most notably known for some of the work I've done in the direct consumer space, um, starting with a company called Hint Water, which is a flavored water company, um, then moving to an agency called VaynerMedia, and then um, since about mid-March this year, just uh, consulting with a variety of brands. Okay, that's, I mean, obviously awesome. Uh, So... I guess to kick things off, can you talk about how you kind of started your career with doing social strategy and consulting and how you grew from there? 
So it was, it had actually started before uh, my days at Hint that I started doing social strategy and consulting. And so when I was in high school, I was trying to always figure out what's the best way for me to make friends. That's also the easiest way to make friends. And it originally started with what if I post funny Facebook statuses on Facebook and just add a bunch of people from school and they'll start to think I'm funny and then hopefully they'll want to be my friend. And that was my like goal. And that's what I did. And it ended up working out to a point where um, I was kind of becoming like the funny guy. And but as, as a byproduct of that, I also realized that I started to get really good at realizing what makes people tick on social media and what makes people want to comment or like a status. And so I didn't know what it was, but I knew I had some ability to do that. And so when I was in 10th and 11th grade, I decided um, that I wanted to work with a couple of celebrities on helping them with social media. And so through a lot of hustling and emailing and cold calling and trying to meet managers and weird places, <laughs> um, I ended up working with a couple pretty awesome artists, um, being Pitbull, Priyanka Chopra, uh, I helped launch Magic, um, and a few others. And so that's pretty much how I got my start in the world of marketing and social. Um, it was just a lot of what, what I would call B2C, really just like social and, and figuring out how to how to how to get people to react to stuff that was being pushed out on more of, you know, at that time, what was known as a broadcasting channel versus an engagement channel. And so and that was kind of what all of social was, you know, in the early days of it. Um, and for context, this was probably right around when Instagram was starting to launch. And so, you know, everything was based on broadcasting and pushing information. And, you know, for some of these artists, it was pushing things like tour dates or, or coming by a radio show or pushing a new song. But it was never in the sense of how do we start to interact with these fans. And so one of the things that, that I did and I remember doing on, on um, some of these accounts was we would just start just messaging random people or replying to random people. And whenever we would do that, all of a sudden our engagement would just spike because now it was like, well, if this celebrity responded to this person, maybe I can get a response. And so that's kind of where I got my start in social was turning these platforms or, or at least the accounts I was, I was connected to, turning them into more of like communication channels rather than just a broadcasting channel. I mean, I love how this started really as a way for you to connect with people within your peer group and within your school. And it evolved into literally a career. Yeah. Um, that's just awesome. And actually, I'm interested in this because I also did a lot of like work and consulting in high school that not a lot of people did. Once you started working and doing that social strategy, and it may be different because you were working with celebrities, which like kind of inevitably brings some level of clout, but did your peers react to that, either positively or negatively? Like how did that change how you um, in the school? I think it's, yeah, I think it's it's still the same way 
that people would react today. There's there's some people that are, um, you know, jealous or envious, and they don't want to. They just don't want to not be at at that level, and so they get mad or angry or or you know show passive aggression in some way. Um, and then I had a lot of friends who who um, you know they were really happy and and they were excited, and sometimes they would want to help out or or um, you know they would want to just see you know they were just happy for me. That's awesome. And I feel like that's true with basically all things in life and especially young people. So I think that's a good tidbit for the young people who are still in high school or in college to take away is that like people are always going to behave positively or negatively, but it's not about exactly what you're doing. It's just a product. More so a reflection of themselves or, or, you know, something that that um they wish they had or or they regret they didn't do to have what maybe I had yeah absolutely so kind of expanding on that social strategy work and consulting work how did you grow that into a full-fledged career and into working with DTC brands um to be really honest I never had an intention to go into quote unquote DTC. And it wasn't really even a term um, when I had started at Hint. Um, I had basically started there and my job was, you know, try and get us sales for e-commerce. And so I just thought it was digital marketing or marketing. And as we were growing it, um, you know, all these other, more New York-based direct-to-consumer brands started popping up, like Harry's and Bonobos and um, Buffy and all these other brands that are known as, like, DTC brands. And so when you take a look at what DTC is, it's just really the... It's just really cutting out that middleman or that distributor or that retailer. And that's pretty much what we were doing at him was we were just cutting out the middlemen and we were shipping, you know, cases of water directly to people's homes. And so that became known as DTC, not by me, but by, that's how it was just recognized. And, and then when I would come to New York for meetings, everything was all about DTC and, and, you know, Hint is a DTC brand now and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of just got, or unintentionally, I guess, stumbled into it. Um, the second part of it is that we just, or I just happened to be good at what I was doing and, um, and that's just kind of how I got attached to DTC. Yeah. And so you got that job at Hint, correct me if I'm wrong, right out of high school. Yes. Um, no. So out of high school, I went to work at an ad tech company. Okay. Um, so I worked there for a year and a half ish. And then I was doing about seven or eight months of freelance work um, where one of my clients was Hint. Um, and then and then Hint ended up basically just absorbing me internally. Okay, so how did you make that choice to skip college and start working directly? Um, 
it was a pretty gnarly choice yeah Yeah. um i would say just a combination of just understanding how i work and learn and and operate with um just also understanding like i i kind of knew what i wanted to do or or eventually what i wanted to do and um i'm also very impatient and so I think that also played a part in it. Um, but it was definitely, uh, like, when I look back on it, it's kind of crazy that I did that. Do you think that you'd ever, like, consider going back or, like, getting a degree? I'm just so curious because so many um, people place so much weight on education, not only for, you know, having the degree, but for you know, the amount of money you can potentially make and, like, career opportunities. So I always think it's so fascinating when people make the choice to, you know, bypass that traditional route. Yeah, I mean, at the time, there was either two things that would happen. One, I would go completely broke and be a story of why you don't skip college, or the other was the complete opposite. There was really no in-between. So, I mean, I I knew I had a pretty good work ethic, and like worst case i could make enough to get by um but i don't think i would go back unless it was like something where you know i personally wanted to go back and learn something about like astrology or become an astronaut (laughs) then i would go back but but not like to go get a a bachelor's degree i don't think at least in in the current circumstances i don't see that as something that would come up yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So talk to me a little bit about all the work you're doing now, because I find it all so fascinating. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty cool. I get to plug in with a ton of different brands that are mostly consumer brands um, that people know about or people enjoy or it helps people's lives in some way, which I really like. Um, but brands ranging from Vox Media to Super Coffee to Chacha Matcha to The Pill Club to Hydrant, um, just all brands that that help better people's lives in some way. Um, and for me, you know, my expertise is mostly on the direct consumer growth um, revenue side of things, and so that's usually where I plug in and help brands out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's just so cool that you've been able to grow just from, you know, that kid who is like trying to make friends on Facebook to this huge, amazing venture that you have going on for yourself. And, you know, kind of to dive in deep because you started so young and because you don't have that like college education and you didn't follow that like traditional path I'd love to hear a little bit from you and I know that this would be incredibly helpful for a lot of other young people and Gen Zers I'd love to hear a little bit about how you learned how to understand how much you were worth monetarily and how to ask for that or demand that from the companies that you worked with in order to like actually receive what your value was Um, well, I mean, until I had built a reputation or a, uh, like an understanding of what I'm good at, 
I realized I never really had leverage and, you know, which is different for people who are working on the creative side because their leverage is in their work. Whereas for someone like me, you kind of have to prove out over a one or two year period of time that you've done X, Y, and Z and, you know, revenue numbers that prove it and accolades that support it. And so, um, you know, with the first couple of companies I worked at, I never saw, um, I never looked at the salary and made a decision of where I wanted to work based on that. It was more so of a can, can this company open doors for me and B can I take advantage of working at this company? Not necessarily. They only take advantage of me working there. And so I did that, um, pretty, pretty like intensely. And then, you know, once I had credibility in the market and it got to a point where I was, I was also building my personal brand, um, not really for any purpose other than just experimenting with stuff. Then I realized, you know, when brands were reaching out, I could charge, um, I could charge much higher because the results that they would get back were also worth much higher. And so I could quantify my time at a higher rate than I would have two or three years ago. Um, and that said, you know, there's also like, for example, there's, there's a girl that I know who absolutely crushes it on TikTok, and a company had approached her for how can she consult with them on their TikTok strategy. And so, you know, for them, we went through this exercise of, well, how much money can this TikTok actually drive and how much money per hour do you think it's fair to charge for you? And do you think you can deliver on the value of the retainer that you want to charge per month? And so, you know, you just kind of go through those exercises to figure out what the costs are. Um, there's no real set formula. I think the best best way to do it is is either a consult with peers on how they go about pricing or b you know if you're pretty confident you can throw out your own price and just see how you know a client reacts and then adjust from there so you know you might be thinking that and a lot of people tend to to lowball themselves but you might think that you can charge two grand a month for doing X, Y, and Z. But if you actually throw out a number of 10 grand a month, maybe they don't flinch and they're okay with that. It's, it's really just a game of understanding what you're good at, making sure you can over deliver on the value that you bring. And also, um, and also, uh, I just lost my train of thought, understanding what you're good at, making sure you can over deliver and also something that something will come to me. That's okay. And, you know, you were kind of going into advice there, but I was going to ask our typical question, which always brings up, like, the best insights, which is, you know, what advice can you provide to fellow Gen Zers and to the young people who are listening to this? What are the best insights, advice you've gotten? What can you pass on that you think is important for them to know? Um, I think Gary V said it years ago, but the whole jab, 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 right hook method is still extremely underplayed. 
and <clears throat> everyone's always looking for you know a quick check or how to get a few clients overnight but nobody necessarily wants to put the work into giving free advice or helping people out or making connections for other people or going and supporting other people at events or you know just really like showing support or gratitude or any kind of you know help uh without being compensated so i would say that's a huge huge plus and you know because of that i've built a crazy big network um off of nothing other than things like you know i can connect somebody with somebody else and now i'm seen as a much better friend or you know uh like for example yesterday there's a founder who is launching a new candy company and i just went and spent an hour with her and just gave her a bunch of advice um, and offered her to connect her to a bunch of different people who could probably help. Um, so I think there's a lot of value in just giving free advice or spending time and just giving rather than always just asking. Um, and usually what ends up happening is the more you give for free, the more that client or that person is going to want to hire you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so so much unfortunately it is the time where we have to wrap up but before i let you go can you tell all the people where to find you online so they can reach out follow etc if they so please um well my twitter is just at mr sharma but the easiest way is to just text me at 917-905-2340 i love that you give out your phone number it's so fun <laughs> Yeah, it's fun responding to people. It's very, like, original, but I really respect it because, like, that's what I'm on the most, too. So it makes sense. Totally. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Nick. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Generation Slay. We will be back next Friday and every Friday throughout the holiday season. And I know some podcasts decide to let up around that time. We'll be here in your subscription box every Friday for quite a few weeks. We still have some amazing guests coming up. So make sure you are subscribed if you want new listeners to find us. And I hope you do because I hope you think that what we're putting out right now is valuable and helpful to a lot of people. Just quick scroll down right now before you move on to your next podcast or new music or whatever you're doing and leave us quick, preferably five-star review and, you know, follow us on socials if you want, but that's not, that's not the end of the world for me. Thanks again and we'll see you on Friday. Bye!